Good morning, everyone. I can always tell when I'm preaching. I can always tell when I'm preaching. It's, it's just always a week full of suffering and challenges. I was sick almost all week. Uh, just laid up in bed with a, a nasty cold. Was watching uh, the movie Hoosiers for, I've seen that movie a dozen times, I bet. Have you seen that movie? The Ultimate Underdog. Remember that scene where the older woman's talking to Gene Hackman, the coach, and he's saying, well, what do you think of the team? Well, there's a lot of raw talent there. So what are you going to do with them, coach? I'm going to tear them down, and I'm going to build them up. That's what God does to preachers. He tears us down. He lets us know quickly who's in control. And I can honestly say it's not me. So um, I'm hoping that all leads to something good today. We'll see what God has in store. So let's pray together. Heavenly Father, you say to us, be still and know that you are God. So we just quiet ourselves in your holy presence. Jesus Christ, Son of Man, we honor you today and we ask that you would glorify yourself in our midst through the preaching of your word. May these words from Daniel 7 be applied directly to our hearts. I pray that they would speak to us. I pray that they would encourage us. I pray that they would challenge us and lead us to repentance and faith. To that end, I ask, Lord, that you would anoint me with your Holy Spirit. I pray that the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart would be pleasing in your sight, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. Be with us now, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So we continue our sermon series on the person and work of Jesus Christ. Last week, Bob Hames preached on Jesus Christ as the Son of God, which is primarily a focus on his deity. And today we will uh, talk about Jesus Christ as the Son of Man, which is primarily a focus on his humanity. Um, Most of the time, a lot of the times when the scriptures talk about and use the term son of man, it's just referring to the people of this world, the men and women who inhabit the earth. Psalm 80, 17, O Lord, what is man that you regard him, or the son of man that you think of him? And as Pastor John said right before he he prayed, it's one of Jesus' favorite titles for himself, the son of man. Matthew 8, 20, Jesus replied, Foxes have dens, the birds have nests, but the Son of Man has no place to lay his head. And Matthew 20, verses 27 through 28, And whoever wants to be first must be a slave, just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. So it is a focus, the Son of Man, on Jesus' incarnation. That amazing truth that the Son of God became the Son of Man. That God became man in the form of Jesus Christ, born helpless in a, in a stall in Bethlehem. Now, we who have been Christians for a long time, we just go by that way too quickly, in my opinion. We have heard that way too many times. So can we just pause right now to worship God Jesus Christ as the Son of Man, human, just like we are. Just in your own heart, just take a moment of quietness 
praise God that he is the Son of Man. And today we will be in Daniel 7, just a brief history of the book of Daniel. Daniel and his countrymen, the Israelites, they were taken into captivity, into Babylon. They were conquered by King Nebuchadnezzar. And the prophet Daniel was brought into the royal court of King Nebuchadnezzar. Along with his friends, we know them as Meshach, Shadrach, and Abednego. And that always struck me as kind of a cool thing. They were brought into the royal court. But make no mistake about it, King King Nebuchadnezzar and the Babylon nation, they were a ruthless nation. And they were bringing in the royals from other countries to make them a part of the royal court in a way to um, conquer them. In a way to indoctrinate them in the ways of Babylon. And in the midst of all of this, we have Daniel 7. Hear the word of the Lord. It says, In the first year of Belshazzar, king of Babylon, that's Nebuchadnezzar's son, Daniel saw a dream and visions of his head as he lay in bed. Then he wrote down the dream and told the sum of the matter. Daniel declared, I saw in my vision by night, and behold, the four winds of the heaven were stirring up the great sea. And four great beasts came out of the sea, different from one another. The first was like a lion and had eagle's wings. Then as I looked, it, its wings were plucked off, and it was lifted up from the ground and made to stand on two feet like a man, and the mind of a man was given to it. And behold, another beast, the second one, like a bear. It was raised up on one side. It had three ribs in its mouth between its teeth, and it was told, Arise, devour much flesh. As this I looked in... Behold, another like a leopard with four wings of a bird on its back, and the beast had four heads, and dominion was given to it. After that, in my vision at night, I looked, and there before me was a fourth beast, terrifying and frightening and very powerful. It had large iron teeth. It crushed and devoured its victims and trampled underfoot whatever was left. It was different from all the former beasts, and it had ten horns. While I was thinking about these horns, there before me was another horn, a little one, which came up among them, and three of the first horns were uprooted before it. This horn had eyes like the eyes of a human being and a mouth that spoke boastfully. As I looked, thrones were set in place in the Ancient of Days. He took his seat. His clothes, clothing was white as snow. The hair of his head was white like wool. His throne was flaming with fire, and its wheels were ablaze. A river of fire was flowing, coming out from before him. Thousands upon thousands attended him. Ten thousands times ten thousand stood before him. The court was seated, and the books were opened. Then I continued to watch because of the boastful words the horn was speaking. I kept looking until the beast was slain and its body destroyed and thrown into the blazing fire. The other beasts had been stripped of their authority, but were allowed to live for a period of time. In my vision at night I looked, and there before me was one like the Son of Man, coming with the clouds of heaven. He approached the Ancient of Days and was led into his presence. He was given authority, glory, and sovereign power, All nations and peoples of every language worshiped him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion that will not pass away. 
and his kingdom is one that will never be destroyed. The word of the Lord. Um, if you look on your bulletin, the back of your bulletin, you will notice there's no outline. because I was sick and didn't get it in on time. So here's our outline for today. We're just going to talk about two things, the beastly kingdoms of the world, and in contrast to the beastly kingdoms, we're going to talk about the Ancient of Days and the Son of Man, the beastly kingdoms of the world. So there are these four beasts that rise up out of the sea. As you probably know, many of you know, the sea in scriptures is a symbol for chaos and evil. And there's this general pattern in the book of Daniel. Human beings and their kingdoms become like violent beasts when they glorify their own power. When they redefine what is right and wrong, and when they acknowledge, when they refuse to acknowledge God as their king. We have a really clear example of this in Daniel 4. I'm not going to read it. You can go back and read it a little bit later. But King Nebuchadnezzar, the king of Babylon, is warned in the dream that to humble himself before the exalted God. And he refuses to do so. In verse 30, this is what it says. This is Nebuchadnezzar's own words. He says, Is this not great Babylon, which I have built by mighty power as my royal residence for the glory of my majesty? Then God's messenger comes to him and says, let his mind become like a beast. And let him be given the beast's mind in response to this. So Nebuchadnezzar becomes like this beast. His hair grows long like eagle's feathers. His nails became long like bird claws, and he ate grass of the field like an ox all because he refused to humble himself before the exalted king, the God of the universe, the Ancient of Days. So we have all these beasts, these nations rising up from the evil sea. The first is Lion, that's Babylon. They all represent various kingdoms in the ancient Near Eastern world. The next is a bear, which represents the Medo-Persian Empire that conquers Babylon. And then there's a leopard, which represents Greece that conquers the Persians, and then finally, this terrifying beast with iron teeth, different than the others, that represents Rome. And what is common about all of these nations, all of these beasts, is that they devour and trample upon the people of the world, especially the people of God. And then there's this strange imagery of this fourth beast with these horns coming out of the beast. Horns horns in the Bible represent human kings. They represent earthly power. And then you have this one horn. This is a strange passage, is it not? This horn comes out and has eyes like a man and a mouth like a man, and he starts speaking boastful words. That's a crazy scene. Now, all of this got me thinking about our own country. How does the U.S. compare? For that, I want to go to the book of Revelation. The book of Revelation picks up these, Daniel's vision of the beasts. And Revelation, like Daniel, makes it clear that all kingdoms become like the beastly kingdoms of Babylon. And they must be resisted. It reminds me of 
um, Psalm 2. Let me go to Psalm 2 for a second. Psalm 2. Why do the nations rage and the peoples plot in vain? The kings of the earth set themselves, and the rulers take counsel together against the Lord and against his anointed. Against his anointed. This is what kingdoms do. This is what nations do. And the two qualities you learn from the book of Revelation of the beast is this. Number one, the beast exalts power, and the beast exalts money. These kingdoms of the world that turn themselves against God, they exalt power and they exalt money. And in the book of Revelation, they are empowered by the dragon, that ancient serpent, which we know to be Satan. And they demand allegiance from their people. So how does the U.S. compare to all of that? Well, let's, let's take the first one, power. If we look in our society and we really pay attention, in fact, we don't even really have to pay attention that much. So much of our government, so many of our corporations at this point have become corrupt and are exalting power. Let's take money. It's pretty clear, is it not, that we have a society that honors the rich and tramples upon the poor. It tramples down people of color. We see this almost every single day in the news. So I think it's fair to say that the United States of America is a kingdom like any other kingdom. And it often takes on the qualities of the beast. Now, this is not to say that there's, never, there's no godly leadership in our nation, because there is. And there's not, that, that's not to say that at times in our nation's history that the message of Christianity really has risen up and really had a big part of who we are as a nation, did it not? But let's not be mistaken. Nations do what nations do. Eventually, they all rise up against the living God. And in contrast to all of this is the Ancient of Days. In contrast to all of this is the Son of Man. You have the chaos of all these beasts. In comparison, the Ancient of Days takes his throne and sets up court. This very orderly scene of a courtroom. And what does he do? He declares judgment upon the beast and throws him into the fire. And then we have this picture of the Son of Man coming on the clouds in glory and taking up the throne at the Ancient of Days' right hand, the right hand being the position of honor, the right hand being the position of glory. So this Son of Man takes this place of glory. And all of this reminds me of the day of the Lord this theme throughout Scripture. You see it in the major prophets, Isaiah and Jeremiah. You see it throughout the minor prophets, Joel, Amos, Malachi, Obadiah. It's the day of the Lord. It goes all the way back to when the people were enslaved in Egypt. The day of the Lord is this great day when God will bring his judgment upon the world. All those nations that refuse to bow the knee to Jesus Christ. And it will be the day that he exalts 
his own kingdom on the earth. The day of the Lord is an invitation for all of us to resist the culture of Babylon and a promise that one day God will free our world from corruption, he will free our hearts from corruption, and he will bring about his new creation. It is meant to give us hope, even when we feel trampled on by our enemy, even in our own society. And right in the midst of this glorious promise of the day of the Lord comes the Son of Man, Jesus Christ. Now, Daniel 7 shows the Son of Man as exalted at the right hand of the Ancient of Days. He is triumphant in this great scene. What can be more triumphant than coming in on a cloud? And Jesus, in using this title, Son of Man, is saying, I am that king. I am the exalted king of this universe. Make no mistake about it. But the thing that throws everything on its head in Scripture is how how does Jesus display himself as triumphant? In Revelation, like Daniel, we are taken into the throne room of God. In chapter 5, in which the Apostle Paul is weeping loudly because there is no one worthy to open the scroll that will reveal God's purposes for this earth. Then one of the elders comes to John and says, Do not weep. See, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, has triumphed. He is able to open the scroll and its seven seals. Then, I, then John said, then I saw a lamb looking as if he had been slain, standing at the center of the throne, encircled by the elders. The lamb had seven horns and seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God sent out into all the earth. Jesus Christ, in the greatest act of human history, sets the world on its head by triumphing over evil, by dying the death that we were meant to die. No, what, what human being could have ever planned that? The, the disciples were totally confused because they know this scripture. They know the fourth beast represents Rome. They thought Jesus Christ was coming back and he was going to destroy Rome at that time. And yet Jesus triumphs at the cross. Something changed at the cross in human history. The cross introduced a new way to escape from the beast of Babylon. It introduced a new way to be human. Jesus Christ, the Son of God, becomes the Son of Man. And that reminds us what it means to be truly human. To be truly human is to be free of sin. Now, that's not the way we normally think of it, right? We normally think of it, to be human is is to err, is to be sinful. But don't forget about Adam and Eve before they fell into sin, perfect in their humanity. And Jesus comes as a son of man to remind us once again, there is this great humanity that is free from sin. There is no beast in Jesus Christ, the son of man. And he is coming back again to establish his humanity. Can we pause once again to acknowledge the reality of Jesus' death on the cross, his great triumph, 
over the kingdom of darkness. That's worthy of a little... Somebody has to... Tim, hallelujah. Yes. Amen, brother. Pam, can I get a hallelujah? Yes. Yes. Amen. It is worthy of our praise. And we must follow the example of the Son of Man. So what people do you know in our society today who are being trampled underneath the foot of the beast? Two examples come quickly to my mind from the news. The high school students in Parkland, Florida. Nicholas Cruz comes in and shoots up the place, but I think it would be wrong to think that Nicholas Cruz is the only beast in this story. You know, you know the fight that's going on with the NRA. That's, that's public information. It's everywhere. And I'm certainly not about to get into debate about the Second Amendment. <laughs> and I'm not sure it's good for us to get in as a church. I will say I'm okay with gun ownership. But what disturbs me about this whole thing is, remember the qualities of the beast. What disturbs me is all the power and money associated with the NRA. What disturbs me even more deeply than that is that this society does not have the will to deal with gun violence in our our culture. And, And can we not say that we are all responsible for that? It would be easy to blame the NRA, but are we not responsible as the people of God for all of this violence in our society? We are. We have to follow the example of the Son of Man who was crucified who died, we have to take up our cross and enter into the pain of the people of this society. We have to. Now, I don't know all that means when it comes to gun violence. I am not, by any stretch, an expert on that. We have to remember those students that are crying out, never again, never again. And we have to enter into our society. The other thing that quickly comes to my mind is the opioid epidemic. And that one comes really close to home. That comes right into the household of this church. There are people in our society who are trampled under the foot of this beast. Now, where did this beast come from? It came from greedy pharmaceutical companies. By the way, my wife works for one, so... I'm not going to be too hard on pharmaceutical companies. But it comes from greedy pharmaceutical companies that set up pharmacies that got involved with government. There's government officials, even government officials from the state of Pennsylvania. And all the greed that was involved in this, all the power that is associated with this. And hundreds and hundreds and thousands of people are dying. Even more so than at the hand of guns. This is a current revelation of the beast. But let's drive it home even more. Let's make it more personal. Who do you know in your life? Who do you know in your family, your neighborhood, your workplace, even in our church, who feel trampled upon? Your assignment this week is to enter into their pain. We must... Enter into the fellowship of Christ's sufferings, which means entering into the pain of others. That is what it means to be human, like the Son of Man.
We must promote the kingdom of God in their midst. We must point others to hope in the final exaltation of Jesus Christ. This is what it means to be truly human, people of God. This is what it means to be like Jesus, the Son of Man. And then there comes that great verse in 14, where Jesus, the Son of Man, is given authority and glory and sovereign power. All nations and peoples of every language worship him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion that will never, ever pass away. And his kingdom will never be destroyed. Hallelujah. Amen. So get on your feet, people of God. Sons of men, men and women, get on your feet. Let's go. Men and women of New Life Church, what is your response to this Son of Man? To this man who is God, who has all authority, who has all glory, who has come to die the death that you were meant to die, what is your response to this Son of Man? Praise Him. Shout His name out loud, for He is worthy of glory. He is worthy of all honor. He has sovereign authority over all nations. And He will cast the beast into the flaming fire that goes from the throne of God. He will not be denied the justice upon this world, both in this present time and in the age to come. Because he is victorious, first through his death on the cross. But there will be no death in the final days. Only him coming on the clouds, and we will see him in the air, and he will come, and he will take his people, and he will take them to himself. And we will not know sin anymore. There will not be sin anymore. He will wipe away every tear in our eyes, every pain. He will destroy the opioid epidemic. He will take away all gun violence of this society, everything that tramples upon the humans of this society. And we will see him face to face. Let's pray. Lord, when we, when we think of all of this, we, we just say hallelujah. Who could ever come up with a story where the Son of God would become the Son of Man and die our death? Only you, the great storyteller. Only you, the one who is in charge of all history, the Alpha and the Omega. We praise you as the Alpha and the Omega. We love you so much. We long for your presence Bring the day of the Lord, Lord. Come, Lord. Come, Lord Jesus. Come quickly to us, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, you, well, we might as well stand up. We're all excited now, right? All right. I'll-